Welcome to Relationship Mastery, a podcast for those who want to learn how to master the art of creating happy, healthy, and loving relationships. Please join me, Dell Lady Jones, and my co-host, Barry Selby, each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for a lively and informative conversation on everything to do with relationships. Thank you for joining us today. This is our first show that Barry and I are doing together, and we're very excited to have you here today. So we thought we would start off by talking about why we do what we do. We're both relationship coaches. And and who is our influence? Who is the role models we had about how to do relationships? So I'm going to ask you, Barry, first. Why don't you go first? Tell me me how you um, got into doing relationship coaching. Um, yes, like this, this is where we expose ourselves to the world, so to speak. Exactly. Um, I want to give two pieces of the puzzle because so much more to the conversation than just these examples, but this gives the people a template. Um, I'm grateful in a way that I was raised with a very, quote, normal family. You know, my parents didn't, there was no abuse in my family. There was no abandonment, no addictions. So in some ways, it was very normal. However, the subtlety of the patterns were much more well hidden. Um, I grew up in a very codependent family where my dad was the breadwinner, my mom stayed at home. And it was traditional. I mean, you know, this is going back a few decades. <laughs> some of that old, not that young. And recognition was for me was that I started watching the patterns my parents did. And I tried to emulate that. It was almost that was the thing. That's what I knew was the right way. I believed my parents were together, they were loving. Therefore, I should do exactly what they did to get relationship. And so for quite a few of my relationships, and I had quite a few. I would basically get in the same trap of being very codependent the way that my parents were, and it wasn't working for me. Mm. Fast forward until, um, well, 2006 was the big breaking point that started this whole journey for me and the work I'm doing, is I've been in several relationships over the years, and I've also been very, um, I'll say invested, but committed to the personal development field, you know, learning, growing, developing, same as you went through the master's degree at USM, a bunch of other things too, However, my relationships didn't improve that much. And I said, I have all these skills, I have all these tools, I'm so masterful, but I'm messing up my own love life. And I'm so grateful for that relationship. Um, the, the woman I was with wasn't the kindest partner in the end, but what she gave me was such a gift. Now looking back in hindsight, you know, sometimes gifts, as um, Lisa Nichols calls them, sometimes the gifts wrapped in sandpaper. It was like it was a gift, but it was painful to receive. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and basically what happened was this was the third basic relationship in a row where the same thing happened, except this time she told me what I was doing wrong. Not what she was doing wrong, but what I was doing wrong. That's and, familiar. <laughs> yeah, of course, because a lot of people do that in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what happened was um, I was abdicating my role as the, as the partner because I was so averse to the way my... By the way, I said at the beginning what happened with my parents through the journey of my life, I kind of become averse to what they were doing and try to do the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was I started taking away my own power in relationships. And what happened in that breakup was she told me that I was not being the man she thought I was when we first met. Now, mm-hmm. how that was interpreted, how that was said, not necessarily the same thing, but what I got clearly was I was missing something. I wasn't being the right man to be in a relationship. And after that painful breakup, and I was pretty much distressed because I went, I've been here before. This is a clue, by the way. If you're in relationships where the same result happens, that's a clue. And I really got that. That's one thing I learned. Look for the signs. (laughs) So after that breakup, because the end of 2006, 
I was going, okay, so I, I know all this stuff, but what am I doing wrong? Something's not right here. And so I just said, you know, God, give me a sign, something, a clue, indication. But about three months later, I bumped into this woman um, at the spiritual center I go to, and she was walking in. And I'm, I hadn't been up to that point very comfortable talking to good-looking women. That was outside my league. You know, I didn't think I could talk to those sort of women. But this woman was gorgeous. But also she was what I would describe as glowing. It's almost like neon signs were overhead pointing to her. And it was like spirit saying, <laughs> talk to this woman. So I went up to her and said, hi, um, you're, you, you come, you're glowing. Where have you been? Something like that. And she burst out laughing because it was a very weird come on line. Yeah. But we started talking and she, and she and I became friends. But she got back from this retreat. And when I went with her to the introduction to the workshop that following weekend, literally four days later, everything they talked about was going, that's exactly what I was missing. And what it was yeah. basically partly was the the codependent piece about the shells that we put on to fit into society and into our relationships and how we adapt to fit in. But also that I was ignoring my true value or excuse me, my, my core value, which is being a masculine man, because I didn't know what that was at the time. So ultimately in that journey, and I went to the, the training the following June, I learned what it felt like, and that was the key, how it felt to be a truly authentic masculine man, which I've been burying and hiding for most of my life. Mm. When I got that, it sort of clicked everything into place. And part of that discovery was, is that I need to know what, what was driving, why I was on the planet, what my, my real value was in the world. And truly what it's been for a long time was supporting women in my work. I've, I've been... I've been the, the shoulder women cried on since I was a teenager, but I never made that business. But I knew in that moment I had to own up to that, that my strength was in helping other people heal their emotional wounds and learn to love again. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, this is script notes, by the way, it's a very short version, but that's kind yeah. of where I got to where I'm doing. So for the last 15 years, that's what I've been doing in my work and my teaching. So um, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. And, and I'm listening to the word codependency, because you know, that's, that's my mm -hmm. area of expertise, <laughs> codependency, narcissistic abuse. And, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't have the same, same upbringing as you at all. I had a very, very, um, on many levels, amusing. I mean, I should say amusing, it wasn't all torturous but it was definitely different and and dysfunctional looking back but there was also um you know there's a lot of freedom in it you know i i see myself as having been you know one of one of you know sort of a wild child in the sense we were always running around the countryside no shoes living off berries and scrumping apples and things like that right but the actual role models i had um with my my parents was was definitely not your norm it was you know in the late 50s 1959 to be exact in north wales which is a very puritanical part of the uk um a lot of chapel going people and um yeah my mother and father were not married i was the product of an affair and um and i never met my father he would, and the affair lasted for many years. I mean, it actually lasted eight years and I never met my father. And that um, was really one of the templates for me um, in, in looking for unavailable men. And I also learned very much, I think when you have one parent, um, you learn not to ever piss that parent off. You know, they're the only one you've got. And, and so that where the codependency came in was, always sort of um, 
what I call taking the temperature of the room, yeah. you know, very guarded at a very early age, um, that hyper alert um, is what I'm going to say, piss my mum off or, or, or am I going to lose somebody? So I had huge abandonment issues. Um, as I said, I, I never met my father actually until I was turning 30. Um, he only lived a couple of miles down the road. So he would, he would, I would see him or pass him in the street, but he never acknowledged us as his children. And so my wiring was so messed up. If I didn't feel absolutely in longing for somebody, I didn't, I didn't think that was, I, I felt you had to long for somebody to feel in love. So my, my loving and my longing got completely cross wired. So, and I think also I always say this, you know, with the people, the work that I do and the people I work with, I think as children, we often want to like a do over, I call it a do over. So whatever that original wound was or that parent that you had the most difficulties with you, you, you attract somebody with similar traits so that you can actually this time make it work out like you wish it worked out as a child. So, you know, I had many, um, during my twenties, I was, you know, um, I was my ideal client. I was, I looked successful out in the outside world. I had it all together when it came to my career. I was a costume designer for many years. Um, but my relationships were a mess. And again, I wanted the, the chase. I wanted to win somebody over. I wanted to prove that I was worthy um, because I had <laughs> Are you laughing? Do you recognize any of this? I know, it's so different. I was just laughing because we're so different, which I love about this. I know. this, And that's why we're going to bring so much to the table here because we have mm-hmm. so many different experiences and, and how our life has, has you know, um, progressed you know I I was married and divorced and raised children as a single parent so there's going to be a lot that we're going to be talking about Um, but today to get back to this subject it um, yeah my relationship model was well as I said my I was the product of an affair so I never trusted marriage I thought you know married men cheat (laughs) so I better not marry a man because if I do he's going to cheat on me so I had this real fear of commitment and marriage. And um, it took me a long time to get there. And uh, because I hadn't done all the work on myself, I did not um, I did not attract a healthy relationship. I'll just leave it at that. Um, one I'm very grateful for. It gave me two beautiful sons. But it had its challenges. And um, But what I really, when I look back at that, I realized that I because of what, how I felt about myself, I attracted a partner that was going to reflect that back to me, how I felt about myself, unlovable, second class, um, whatever it was. Now, in my 20s, I met some lovely, lovely men too. But I, you know, what's, isn't the Groucho Marx thing like, I wouldn't want to be in a club that would have me? Mm-hmm. It was the same thing. I didn't want to be in a relationship with somebody that would just accept me and love me for me. It was like, I thought, oh, you must have really low standards. You know, right. yeah. why would you want me? And um, so I, if I ever left you, if any of my old partners are out there, if I left you, it was because, you know, you were too nice for me. You were, too, you were actually a really great person. And the ones that sort of, that's not to say, oh, like I sometimes left the abusive ones too, but mm-hmm. I hung in there. I hung into abusive situations 
where I should have absolutely got out. I mean, it was, you know, the, the writing was on the wall, but because of my codependency, because I could believe that I could change myself and morph myself into who you wanted, that I could make the relationship work. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of my <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> as you said. Right. Well, I, but, you know, I want to go back to what you said. You said, um, it, I'd, I'd love us to both talk about what, how you, what you define as codependency and then what I define as codependency. Because you mentioned your parents being very loving with each other, but also codependent. So what did that look like to you? I guess the word I would use would be enmeshed. Um, and, and it wasn't something I really knew. It was actually it wasn't until when my mum was getting sick and when she passed away where I really saw that in its extreme form. Um, mm -hmm. 2012 is when my mum got sick and she passed away. And the, the um, I won't say the discovery, but the, the, the awareness was that my dad had hoped he would die first. He didn't want to be left behind. He yeah. was so enmeshed with my mother that, yeah. that and, and looking back at the relationship, frankly, he could have been a much better husband in terms of being masculine and caring and kind. I mean, he was he was being more the macho, and I, 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 we can differentiate it in another episode about the difference between masculine and macho. But that's his a, being in the relationship was <laughs> yeah. really going to get deep into that one. That's a that great was, one. That was my game changing experience in my life. But yeah. for my dad, this is, you know, he he was born in the late twenties, so macho was kind of the way men were, especially because he went and fought the war. So contained emotions and bottle up the expression and not being extremely um, expressive of love was the way my dad was. Mm -hmm. You know, we, he never hugged the kids, my brother and I. Um, and I really think that my mother, she didn't necessarily get the love she truly deserved. But at the same time, he couldn't be without her. When he made mistakes, you know, he had to almost beg forgiveness from her. There was such an enmeshment. There was no ownership in the relationship. It wasn't too, it never felt like two whole people living side by side, which I talk about yeah. in my work. It was about this enmeshed sort of, you know, where one ends, one starts, but also mm -hmm. how they functioned wasn't, it wasn't healthy ultimately. It's hard yeah. to say in other words, but it was, but the thing about it was, and I grew up in a cul-de-sac in, in East London, um, everyone was the same. All the couples were like that, it seemed like. It was almost like they were the same type of people all the way around the place. I mean, where one, one of my neighbours got divorced when I was probably maybe 12 or 13. Mm. And it was something that the whole street was like, what? <laughs> it was so alien because it wasn't something I didn't grow up with. You know, divorce wasn't in my environment, wasn't common because everyone had to make it work. So we put up with stuff and that codependency also meant that you couldn't risk leaving the other, leaving somebody behind. Mm -hmm. And so and my relationships, as I said early on, were very codependent. So I would always <laughs> suffocate in the relationship, either myself or my partner, because it was like, we have to make this work. And yeah. we hadn't even got to know each other yet. So I, I blew relationships up, relationships up very quickly in my early 20s, because I didn't know how to do them. Yeah. Yeah, that's I love that. I love that definition you made the difference between, you know, codependency and enmeshment. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, there are there are a lot of relationships that are enmeshed, like you said, they, they, they're, they're not two healthy individuated people coming together and creating this beautiful thing together, this relationship mm -hmm. together. They are so like this, that they're like, you know, you got to think like me, see like me, act like me. And one goes up, the other goes up. You know, there's no, and it's so wonderful when we can stay 
separate, grounded, healthy, calm, when our partner may be going off a bit and, yes. and not try and sort of control them. And, and, and all that we're doing when we're doing that is actually trying to alleviate our own anxiety. We're not really trying to help them. We're trying to help ourselves because we're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with yeah. other people's emotions. And, and we, ha- we think we have to be lockstep in everything. And it's so great when you get to that place where it's like, no, we can. I always think of the, you know who I think about? The, um, the Paul Newman, Joanne, is it Joanne Woodward um, um, relationship? You know, she used to go to the ballet all the time and, and he hated the ballet. He would be a race, a car, race car driver. She hated watching him race. Yeah. But they were so committed and so apparently so in love with each other. But they allowed themselves to be individuals within the relationship and allowed them to express themselves in the way that, that you know, um, wasn't threatening to them. And that, to me, is a beautiful, mature relationship. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah. You say that because it, it, it creates this sense for a lot of people. There's something wrong with that picture because a relationship for a lot of people, if people come and drop, especially when they were a kid, what the idea of a relationship was, there was something about it's always together and you're like, you're walking like, through life in mesh with each other. I mean, the, the quote I love to go to, my favorite quote to use on this one is about from Jerry Maguire, which is you complete me. That mm-hmm. frame yeah, exactly. indicates, first of all, that if you complete me, I'm not complete on my own, which is the, yeah. really what codependence is about. 100%. I'm not whole. Therefore, when you show up, I'll feel whole because you make me feel better. Yeah. Like you control me, that you make me feel better, which is the whole problem with codependency is that we get yeah. in a place where we don't, as you said, you know, we're trying to make ourselves feel better by fixing the other person. That yeah. trap is is what really defines codependency for me because it puts us in a place where we don't know how to navigate life without somebody else approving of us or yeah. accepting us or loving us. We don't have that internal reference point, so we lose track of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love what you're saying there because that was that was exactly me. But what was so funny, you as you were saying, oh, this divorce happened where I grew up on a cul-de-sac and nobody right. was doing it back then. And I'm thinking, God, nobody was having very public affairs either <laughs> where I live. <laughs> Somehow my mother did that and, and yeah. my father. Um, um, but what, what, what was so interesting too about enmeshment, what we're talking about enmeshment there, is that um, sometimes people can be so fearful of losing themselves in a relationship that they can become super independent. And mm-hmm. I really think that's what happened with my mother. I think she she was so afraid. She did not have a good, healthy role model herself, you know, right. um, relationship role models with her parents. So she, you know, so she acted out in her way, which was... Um, it's safer to not be married. It's safer yeah. to not be in, in a in a very intimate relationship in case I lose myself. She had been married before my father and it wasn't a, a, a relationship that she w- was healthy for her mm-hmm. from, from how she looked at it. And so I think what she did then is she became hyper-independent, not interdependent, but hyper-independent. And I can do this on my own. I can raise a family on my own. I can work on my own. And she was an incredible provider. She was an amazing woman on so many levels. But my relationship role model that looked good to me or healthy was you live in your house, I live in mine. (laughs) We can come together, but I need my space. And um, and it's really it's it's that's my comfort zone. 
that's what feels safe to me is distance. Um, I'm obviously I'm 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 currently engaged and we'll be <laughs> we'll be moving in together. It's been an incredibly long engagement. We've been together for 13 years because or not engagement, rather a, a long relationship. We only just got engaged, but because I was very, very happy just both of us having our own homes and just being in a, a monogamous, loving, beautiful relationship. But I didn't need or want, I should say, that sort of um because there was still some residue of fear, fear right. of being consumed in a relationship or being controlled in a relationship. So I've always been a little bit hyper, hyper independent, even though I am actually, I would classify, my, classify myself as a classic codependent yeah. in most of my life. So it's amazing how we have different ways in which we show up. Exactly. That's what I was just, because yeah. for me, yeah, as I said earlier, it's like it was, it was, all in you didn't like you didn't walk on the edge because that was like you had to be all in to count your relationship yeah. so your mind is such different perspective which i love because it gives us such a new and varied perspective to help other people but also to explain the, the range of relationship paradigms because we have a lot of um i think in our audience we're gonna have lots of people who have different experiences in relationship of love of how to be together how not to be together and definitely we, we talked already about codependency but also independence and interdependence because those three levels have much different values and different benefits to them so yeah this is this could be fun i know <laughs> i know this is i mean we've 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 danced in the same circles for over 20 years here so this is this is very exciting to come together and have this weekly conversation with you i'm i'm really really looking forward to it we're going to be touching on some wonderful topics and um yeah while we're here actually we are going to be sending everybody to our website which is relationshipmastery.show dot <laughs> show and uh yeah there'll be a place there you just put your questions and um we will deal with and anything you'd like to share feedback on subjects and what we've talked about or what you'd like us to talk about so um, this is going to be, as you said, uh, a lot of fun, Barry. I'm sure that we're going to um, agree on a lot of stuff and uh, maybe disagree on some stuff, which is more fun. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's just, uh, how do we want to wrap this up as far as our relationship role models go? What would you say about that? Hmm. Well, I would say there's no perfect relationship model, let's be clear. Yeah. Obviously, we both had our own differences that have helped us get to where we are, and we're still improving and refining because that's part of the journey of life. Yeah. I would suggest that the health, well, the quote, healthy relationship model is one where it's additive, not subtractive, mm -hmm. and where you feel more yourself when you're in a relationship than you were before. That's a yeah. few things to play with. How about you? Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I often talk about um, when I work with my clients about the bank of goodwill. <laughs> I think <laughs> we, we do. We, we you know, we, we often ignore that. And that to me is a foundation of a healthy relationship is depositing goodwill into the in, into that bank account of goodwill. And that yeah. means, you know, appreciating each other not nagging and picking and trying to change the person to somebody else. It's right. like, you know, accept them for who they are. And if there are behaviors that are unacceptable in the relationship, then you absolutely discuss them and you talk about them. 
but so many people come together and they they sort of lay this image on top of you know i was laughing when you said earlier that this woman said to you that um you're not the man i thought first thought you when when i met you and i'm thinking how much is that about her projecting <laughs> more than who you were because you um, know we grew <laughs> when we meet somebody sometimes yeah. we we go oh my god they're our perfect mate and we don't realize we've actually taken a template stuck it on top of them and made them try and fit into this and yeah, then we've, we've known for like two minutes it's exactly like, oh. <laughs> and then happens they sort of leak out of the frame a bit and they're like no get back in get back in don't be that right, not right. that this is who you are if yeah. i want, you know if i want to be in a relationship you've got to be in this little frame here this little box so i think it's i think it's funny but um but yeah, and I love what you're saying. That the one thing I would also say is, even if you came from a dysfunctional family and your role models were in an unhealthy relationship, that's not your destiny. That's no. something to learn from. And and we are constantly evolving. None of us are our personalities are not set in stone. We are always, you know, changing and, and infinite potential. So to to not be afraid of your past. I think it's fabulous to go back and look at it and go, oh, that's why I act the way I do. Or that's what I'm responding to or re reacting to. And then recognizing it and then knowing that you have the ability to do it completely differently. Yes. But it's knowledge is power. Awareness is power. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think this is um, going to be a lot of fun here. I think so. And I want to score that point about that. That, that yeah. our past is like our past is a, is a great place to visit, to refer to, to learn from. We don't want to live there. Oh, absolutely. So the lessons that we, we're going to talk about certainly from our own experiences. And yes, I am definitely not the person I was back, you know, about that relationship or anywhere in relationships. I've changed so much since then. And yeah. so it is possible if you've had some really unsuccessful, unhealthy relationships, you're not doomed to failure. Absolutely. If you're listening to our, especially if you're watching or listening to our, our podcast, you'll learn things that will change how you are and help you become better at being in a relationship going forward. So, yes, yeah. change is possible. <laughs> well, I think we should, we're at our time. And so let's leave it on that note. And I can completely agree with what you said. Um, you know, we, I think when we have an open heart and an ability to be self-aware and not blame the other person for everything, you know, there's a lot of relation, a lot to be learnt from each relationship we had, and and yeah. you know, not every every relationship is meant to last a lifetime. Sometimes they're just meant to be for the period of time they're meant to be to help us learn and grow on a on a, an emotional and a spiritual level. So, I think it's a good idea to choose relationships for what they're really benefiting you. How they benefit you, but and also because the thing is, a relationship that lasts a lifetime, it's hard to predict at the beginning if it's going to happen or not. Yeah. But if your relationship's going to, going to be strong now and you want to build on that, that's a good place to begin. So yeah. be willing to play. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this is fun, and I, I can't wait to, um, to see you next week. Stay tuned. We're going to have some good stuff to talk about. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Barry. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week. Thank you, Dale. We'll see you guys. See everybody else. And this, everyone's going to hear us again next week as well. Yeah. Take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Bye. We trust you enjoyed this episode and invite you to share this with your friends and loved ones. In fact, please subscribe to our Relationship Mastery podcast that we all get each new episode, fresh and shiny, as soon as it is released. We'd love to hear from you as well. So go ahead and enter your questions and comments at relationshipmastery.show. Take good care. We will connect with you in our next episode.
of relationship mastery.